Welcome back in. Thank you so much for joining us on the CCA California podcast. Good to be with you another week. My name is Chris, also flying solo this week. This week we are back on the road, right up the road actually, to Dana Point, California. And uh, before we get into our uh, special guest, as always, make sure to follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at CCA California. Make sure to go hit subscribe to the podcast. We see those numbers grow and we definitely sure do appreciate that. Without further ado, we've got a great, very special friend of mine. We've got Alex the Sports Barber. Alex, good, good to see you, man. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad, man. It's good. a beautiful Friday morning in, uh, in Dana Point, and the, 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 the heat has turned up a little bit, but uh, it has been the last couple days. But yes, it has. Summer is here. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. It was a cold and windy spring. <laughs> Isn't that the case? Well, okay, so let's go right into that. So this spring, we talked about this yesterday, where this spring, it's just been nothing but wind. It's, it's, Would you it's the coldest, windiest spring. I've lost more days of fishing this spring than I have in a long time. In fact, early spring, I saw 54 degrees. It was colder in the spring than I ever saw the water temp in the winter. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's mother nature and it's part of the conditions and it's, it's the way it is, but it's all going to change. You know, it's, a, it's weather. Yeah. It's seasonal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been fishing for a while. Would you consider this to be more of like a traditional spring kind of season or? You know, they say we need the spring winds, the spring winds to turn up the, um, the, the waters and bring up the nutrients that we're going to be needing for the rest of the season. So, you know, the spring winds are something we need, but I just. It seems it's been pretty relentless this year. And you talk to a lot of guys, they've been, it's like, they're not used to this much wind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's going to change. And we've had a few days in between that were good. So it wasn't like it was a total, total mm -hmm. loss. But I probably lost almost 15 to 20 days of fishing last spring. That for my Sunday, Monday, I mean, I hate losing a day of fishing, especially my Mondays. My Mondays are so great. So no traffic, launch ramps wide open, and no boat traffic. Fish as close as you want to the harbor. <clears throat> just because it's Monday. Yeah. So we like getting out there on those Mondays. Yeah, for sure. Well, before we go further into fishing, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself, man. Well, I was born in Modesto, California, San Joaquin Valley. I'm 66 years old. I moved here when I was 25 and got into all the things in Southern California that a guy at 25 would get into, boogie boarding, racquetball, beach, all the fun stuff. And I didn't start fishing until I was in my early 30s. And well, then I moved here and started cutting hair, became a barber. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a barber for several years, but I worked as a as the barber in the in the hair salon with the, with all the gals, and I just really did not like working with all the gals anymore. I said, I'm going to start <laughs> something on my own that's going to be more guy in, in uh, oriented. And I came up with the, the idea of the sports barber barber shop. Mm -hmm. and I found a great location, and I got in on it, and I opened up a three chair barber shop in Dana Point, and it's just been fantastic. My clientele are, is great. People love coming here. We got sports memorabilia all over the walls. I have one particular shelf that's just all fishing stuff with with several pictures of all my buddies and my wife and I all with our great catches. And it's just a really kind of an easy, fun place to, to come hang out. Um, one kid gave me a great compliment one time. He told me if I didn't have all of the haircutting stuff in here, this place would make a great fort. And I just <laughs> thought that was a, a huge compliment. That, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, I'm looking, we're sitting in your shop right now in Dana Point, and not only do you have all kinds of sports memorabilia, you have old pictures of the Dana Point Harbor when it was, I guess, first opened. And um, 
Gosh, it's so unique, and you've you've sprinkled some quite a bit of fishing memorabilia too. Yeah, I've gotten that in there wherever I can. And mm -hmm. my uncle Bill, you would say, I could take any subject and turn it into fishing. Yeah, that's <laughs> you start talking about a subject, I'll, I'll somehow t turn that back to fishing, and it uh, just kind of comes natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of fishing, you also have. I think this is your your PB, right? Your PB. Yeah, calendar. I got a, several years ago. I got a, a eleven pounder. Right down wow. the beach here at Pochi Beach, uh, before Power before Power Pro, uh, we were we were losing fish on 15 pound. They were snapping us off, and that's how we fished back then. Was 15, and one of my fishing buddies, Bill Henderson, Big Hammer Lure, said, "You want to see what you've been missing? Start fishing 20." So I jumped up to 20 pound on a heavier outfit. Thank God, and I uh, was there that morning, and I in, on the reef about 18 feet of water, and I. I let it sink about halfway, and I came tight to this thing, and it, it was pulling drag. And I got him to the boat, grabbed him by the bottom jaw, and the jig fell right out of his mouth. And he, he put a bite on me and uh, brought him to the harbor and brought him to the dock. And uh, Elmer Alfafara, who was working for Shimano at the time, went up and got a scale from Dana Wharf. Mm -hmm. Well, he comes back with Don Hansen, Dave Hansen, and about three captains, and one of their favorite employees, Mr. Mark Mills. Hmm. So Mark jumps in the boat and pops open the, the bait tank where the fish is, and and uh, and the, everybody looks down, and the, and the captains go, eight, maybe nine, and Mark jumps in the boat with a scale, and the scale had been calibrated at John's Fish Market several mm -hmm. times, so they throw it on the scale, and Mark looks at me and goes, 11, and I just, my, my knees got weak. Oh my gosh. And they were like, wow, what a nice fish. And they, what are you gonna do with it? I said, I'm gonna take it right back to where I caught it and let it go after a nice little photo session. Yeah, of course. So that's my big one fish claim to fame, you know. That's right? cool, man. But, that's and then I had, I had a, um, uh, went to Fred Hall show and the boys, Dave Pfeiffer, Benny Seacrest, and mm -hmm. Barry Breitenberg said, pick out the mount you want and we'll buy it for you. So I went to Robert's Fish Mountain and there I saw her on the wall and I went, that's her. <laughs> so she's been here at the barbershop ever since. I've, been, I've had the shop here for 32 years. Mm -hmm. When I used to do uh, work for Barry Breitenberg and Fish Trap Lures, I'd take that bass off the wall and we'd take it to, to Long Beach, uh, Long Beach uh, Fred Hall Show and that bass would be in the booth with us at the Fred Hall Show. So she's been around a little bit, but wow. I don't like to take her down too often. Yeah, yeah, and, and rightfully so. I mean, in your shop, I'm sure you've probably seen plenty of, of guys, not only in the sports industry, but also the fishing industry, too, that come visit you for a haircut. Yep, I've had quite a few guys over the years. Dave Pfeiffer was one of my longtime customers before he moved to South Carolina. Benny Seacrest, of course. Barry's been several times. Uh, Rick Dozberg, former owner of the Fury. Dave Hansen from Dana Wharf. I even had a... The famous Jose Wahebe was here one time with Dave Pfeiffer. They stopped by to see me, and I was on a fishing trip. But I had a lot of uh, a lot of other guys that you know. I'm in the Dana Angling Club, so a lot of the club members now are my clients, which has been a lot of fun joining the Dana Angling Club and kind of spreading out the fishing to meeting some guys that are that are inviting me to go on their um, their bigger boats. I got a I got a marlin last year in the Dana Angling Club tournament. And uh, I got my first club marlin, so I got a button for getting my first club marlin. So I'm kind of expanding my horizons a little bit that way. But day in doubt, when it comes down to 6 in the morning, 5 in the morning, going out in the garage and grabbing the tackle you want to use for the day, mm -hmm. I just gravitate to that bass tackle. <laughs> I, I can say I'm going to go slow troll for yellowtail all day long. And in the morning, 
I'm picking up the plastic rods. I, I have a hard time getting away from the, the calico bass fishing. It's just what I love. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go into that. I know we just had a great conversation before we kicked it on here about the different stages of calico bass fishing. Go, go into that. Yeah, I heard. I heard, kind of heard this a long time ago and kind of added and tweaked it a little bit. But there's four stages to a skiff calico bass skiff fisherman's life. The four stages. The first stage one, he just wants to go out with his buddies in the skiff, have fun, catch fish, have a good time. Yeah, that's just, just stage one. Stage two, he's starting to get a little better. He gets, he's been getting invited to go out on his buddy's skiffs quite a bit. He's thinking about getting his own. His personal best is a five-pounder. And he's starting to think he's, he's, he's going to catch about every time he goes out. Stage three is a very scary stage. <laughs> stage three is where you are convinced that you will be the angler of the year and you are going to win every tournament you enter because you are the best. That's stage three. <laughs> I know a lot of guys have that. I know a lot of guys in stage three. <laughs> so then there's stage four. Stage four, you return to stage one. Just want to go out with your buddies, have a good time, and catch some fish. Mm -hmm. But I've added a, an extra stage. I've added stage five. And I'm in stage five, and a lot of my local hardcore buddies, we're all stage five. And stage five means we want to catch them how we want to catch them. We want to catch them on artificials. We don't want to catch them on squid. We don't want to catch them on mackerel. We want to catch them on dropper loop. We don't want to catch them on chove. We want to catch them on plastic. We want to catch them on surface iron. We want to catch them on crankbait. We want to catch them on um, artificials. That's how we want to catch them. I'm at that stage, yeah. for sure. That, yeah. That's all I want to do. Artificial. Stage five is a great stage. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you're probably at that stage as I'm well. Sta I'm stage five all the way. I, I yeah. just want to catch yeah. them. I love catching them on the lures, you know, the, whatever it's the wax wing season where you can get them on top or uh, that little wham, the little fishy, the little curly tail grub. I, mm -hmm. I did very well this winter on that thing. A little red, little red clear flake, red curly tail with a real, little red bullet head. And man, that thing, that thing caught some fish this last winter. So are you primarily hard bait or swim bait or, or a mixture of both? I don't do a lot of jerk bait. I don't do a lot of jerk bait. I love plastic. Plastic's my go-to. My number okay. one go-to lure I'm always going to have is tied on is an ounce and a half lead head with a five-inch swim bait. And my favorite is uh, the five-inch green grunion. Everybody knows I'm a green grunion guy. That's what I caught my big one on. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorite lures to use, the green grunion. Fish Trap doesn't make them anymore. And uh, MC makes them, Big Hammer makes them. So you still get that, those colors of, of the green grunion. And it's just a great color. And our beaches here in Dana Point are all grunion beaches. So when you're, 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 you're matching the hatch by using a bait that looks like a green grunion. So that's, that's my go-to there. But I love surface iron fishing for them when, they, when they'll bite the surface iron. And I love fishing the wax wing, which is kind of like an, an easy way to fish surface iron, but not having to do all that work of, of fishing surface iron, throwing that wax wing. Mm -hmm. But um, most of my big fish have come off the of plastic. All, most of my big fish have come off the plastic. Huh. Um, and then getting into it farther down the road, the trips into Mexico on the skiff trips that's a whole nother chapter and <laughs> Barry Breidenberg got started doing the fish works um fish fish trap skiff trips down to Cedros on the qualifier 105 I did seven I did eight trips eight years in a row seven of them on the qualifier 105 one on the shogun I was and gonna we, say the shogun does them every and now we, and then. we would take what we call the qualifier 15 it's a 15 foot metal <laughs> boat we and we take three of them down there and you should see the the, the 
the progress of the captain and all the crew and the chefs, everybody all working together, running up those stairs, uh, putting that crane on those skiffs and sliding them into the water and slapping an engine on them, throwing the flotation devices in. And now a captain gets in the skiff with you and you get three buddies, you can take three rods, and you got about a three hour run and you'll go into that cove way in tight that nobody's been there fishing since you were here last year. Oh my God. And I'm, I'm telling you, the Calico Bass fishing down there at Cedros and all the other places too. And you can fly down to Cedros now, but mm -hmm. you can't go to Sac Reef, you can't go to uh, Benitas, you can't go to Geronimo. All those places are they're all the islands that you can go to when you go down on, on, on one of the skiff trips. And mm -hmm. it was unbelievable. And to learn how to surf, learn how to fish the surface iron on those trips, going on a seven day trip with all those San Diego guys that all were hardcore surface iron guys. It was a total eye opener on how to, how and when to throw the surface iron and not just calicos, but we're talking yellowtail down there too. We, we had a lot of great yellowtail action down there on the surface iron. Sometimes on the big boat, sometimes you'd be on the, on the big boat, but we'd only take 18 anglers. So mm -hmm. half of them, nine of them would be in three skiffs. So you're on the qualifier 105 with only nine anglers. So it was surface iron off the, off, the, off the stern, which you don't usually see a guy's throwing surface no. iron off the stern. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's almost like an like a unwritten rule. You just don't throw iron off the stern. Yeah, and most captains will say, you know, from the wheelhouse to the nose, go up on the nose and throw it, you know what I yeah. mean? Have you been back to Cedros since they closed to sport boats? No, I haven't. And, oh, you know, I've been there eight times. I think I like to go somewhere else in the world first, mm -hmm. but I do have the... I do, you know, I never set foot on the island. We, we couldn't go on the island. So mm -hmm. to go down now and fly down and stay on the island, and because when you went with a skiff trip, you only got to get in a skiff twice a day for three hours. Mm -hmm. So to go down now and stay on the island and get to fish with a local in like a 20-foot boat that could run you, uh, we fished all the way around the island. So mm -hmm. we, there's some great places up the, the lee side, up the, no the north end of the island. Oh, my God, the boiler rock fishing and the kelp forest and, and stuff like that. I mean, you're in there 10 feet of water throwing surface iron for calicos and all of a sudden a 40 pound yellowtail swims under the boat. It, 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 it happened more than once. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I always say Cedros is a magical place. It's it, a magical it's... place. It really is. And they're right by the salt mine, the big white, yeah. that we, we, we have a saying, salt mine drags. Captain Brian uh, Sims would, would come in there and spin around and do a, he'd, he'd meter around and he'd tell the, the deckhands, Braille heavy. I never seen them braille heavy. They, they they scoop as many sardines as they can into the net, and they just launch them. And all of a sudden, these big monster blowups. Oh. I mean, monster blowups. <laughs> um, and we call it salt mine drags. We're in 50 feet of water with hard bottom and kelp. You take your drag, your star drag, and you tighten it as tight as you physically can. You don't even pull on it to see what the drag is. You tighten it as tight as you can, because it's going to be a very short battle. He's going to win or lose. So a lot of guys get broke off. My biggest was a 48. Mike Hine got oh a 55. <laughs> 55. And they almost, it, it buried itself in the kelp stringer so bad, they almost put a skiff in the water to, to go get it. And he finally got it to come loose. But, but magical place there, Cedros. We, it's just a great place. And I, so, I will go back someday, I guarantee you. You got a 48-pound yellowtail at Cedros in the kelp. Not only, you know, it, I'm sure you probably remember, the yellowtail is a breeding in itself. 
Bialto at Cedros is a whole nother ball. They're, they're 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 nasty fish. They are they're they're ready to go. The, you know, the calicos too. I mean, yeah, you you, you got to be careful. You may, I tell guys when I go fishing, one of the best and most important tools that you can bring is your needle nose pliers. Mm-hmm. The first day, on the first morning of the trip, everybody's got one. You see a little blue tape start to come out. Second morning, lots of blue tape on the fingers. <laughs> Fourth morning, everybody's trying to figure out how to fig, fix their fingers because they're all mm-hmm. torn up and chewed up. And I'm sitting there just woofing down my breakfast to get ready to go. Right. And the guy looks over to me and he goes, Alex, your hands, there, there's no marks on them. And I don't, even, I don't even take a beat. I just reach down in my pocket pull out my pliers, show them to them, and then stick my pliers back in the pocket. I don't, I'm not touching these. If you start trying to lift these fish, your, your thumb's not going to make it seven days. Oh, my you gotta You grab the leader, and then you grab the pliers, and you don't touch the fish. That's a good point. That's actually a really good point because most guys, they'll either carry them or they won't or they'll forget them or whatnot. I, that, I don't like having tool. that tape on my, my thumb that's going to be on the spool. I want, I want my tension in my thumb mm-hmm. on that spool so the tape kind of take, takes away the tension for that thumb. So I do not want to, I do not want to tape up my left thumb. That's for sure. It, does it make a difference on the feel and all that? Yeah, I mean, you put the tape on there, you lose sensitivity to the spool. As you know, handling a baitcaster, you got a million levels of sensitivity. There's the button it down because you're going to make a long cast mm-hmm. you know, in free spool, or or you're sinking and you want it to sink as fast as it can, but you don't want to leave that spool unattended. So your thumb is constantly either 1% pressure or 100% pressure or anywhere in between. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and you want to have that thumb is very special to, you know, that's where you're going to feel it. But I tell guys too, lots of time is when you're, when you've thrown your plastic out and it's sinking, whatever lure you got, and you're on it, that, that lure of yours is on the sink. You want to watch the, the line that comes off your tip and where it goes into the water. It's four feet, five feet, six feet. It's a piece of line that comes off your rod tip that goes to the water. You watch that because you're going to see that line jump before the line takes off. That so makes sense. if you just sit there and wait for your thumb to feel the line take off, you're going to be a split mm-hmm. second slower than the guy that's watching his line. As soon as he sees that line jump, put that thing in gear and start cranking. And I've learned really key on watching that line it gives you that one little split second faster to set to make an attempt to set that hook and with when you're fishing plastic you miss a lot of bites Mm -hmm. so the guy that's the guy that's super quick on feeling that bite he's going to catch more fish than the other guy and my friend george club has proved that to me several times Mm -hmm. he's a master at it he's the master we call him yoda (laughs) <laughs> well, George, Georgie's called Yoda. He's he's a fantastic fisherman. So we're talking about the piece of line that's basically coming out of the water line all the way to the tip of your yeah, rod. From the tip of the rod to to the water. Once and, that and thing starts to basically straighten you'll out. You'll see it. You'll see it just jump. And you mm-hmm. see it jump and you won't feel anything yet. The, the graphite rod hasn't kicked in yet. The, the composite graphite rod, the reel hasn't engaged yet. But that line is jumped and everything's coming it's right it's gonna come but yeah. if you're looking at it and you see it your mind tells you as soon as you see it start winding and it gives you that that little half a second quicker reaction and that that can that can really make a lot of difference hmm. it's kind of like the the analogy that i make is it's kind of like a long train the first car is going to move at a different point than you know what the last that's a car. good analogy that's a good analogy 
<laughs> or it's kind of like too when you're sitting at a stoplight and there's a million cars in front of you and the light turns green and you're going like, well, how comes nobody's moving yet? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Alex, since you've joined the Double Digit Club on the Calico, what should we be looking for? What kind of tips do you have uh, to go after that, whether it's here in local waters, over to SCI, Cedros, whatever. W what are your kind of go-to tips there? Well, you know, the, to target the bigger ones, um, uh, sometimes a bigger bait, you know, you can move up to the six inch, maybe even a seven inch piece of plastic, uh, move up to a little bit bigger bait, heavier tackle for sure. If you're thinking mm -hmm. you're gonna get a double digit and you're fishing 15, there's a good chance that fish will break you off. I've seen, I saw Rich Holland and Benny Seacrest and I were in a tournament for our buddy Jimmy Edwards that almost lost his leg and he didn't. We had a tournament and we were fishing, um, we were fishing La Jolla kelp and Ben had a calico, he was fishing 50 pound liter. And Ben had a calico come right to his plastic right before he pulled it out of the water. It, it, it made a turn. It made a turn and ate his plastic, his plastic and, it, and Ben pointed the rod right at the fish and this fish swam away and broke 50 pound liter. Hmm. So when you want to start targeting bigger ones, you better use the, some heavier line. That's, you're, 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 you're gonna have to be really lucky to get one on lighter line. First and so point. you're gonna have to step up to, you know, don't be afraid to step up to 50 pound liter. At Cedros, fishing with Corey on MC when we were targeting big fish down there with the big, uh, the big uh, eight-inch uh, weedless bait, he gave the seminar in the in the galley on the way down. He goes, guys, I know it sounds crazy, but you need to fish an 80-pound fluorocarbon leader. And everybody kind of shook their head. 80? <laughs> he said 80. He goes, I've seen them break 60. So we get in the skiffs and we're taking off and we're fishing and we're on the radio, boat to boat to boat. And somebody calls Corey, hey, we got a big one, a huge fish. We lost it at the boat. It broke us off. And Corey comes back. He says, What's lead what leader are you on? And the guy pauses and says, 60. <laughs> Corey says, I guess you weren't listening at the seminar. <laughs> so down there, I mean, they're, they're, so the calico, I, I say it like this, calico bass is like a big 350 pound lineman. Mm -hmm. He can blow that off, he can blow that defensive tackle off the line for 10 feet, no problem. He's super quick and powerful. But if the, he picks up the ball at the 99 yard line and has to run 99 yards to the other end of the field to, to make a touchdown, that big monster lineman, he's gonna be huffing and puffing by the time he gets down to the end. So he's good for a short burst, and that's the calico. He's, he's good for that short burst. When they're first hooked, that's when, that's when on the big fish, as you start to move into the bigger fish, things change. And when you go over like seven or eight pounds, things happen really fast. Your drag better be set just right. You better, you better pull on that fish. And of course, they're gonna go for structure. They're like yellowtail, they're gonna go for structure. I've had a lot of bigger fish take me into the kelp. Oh, great fish. Oh, now I'm wrapped in kelp. Oh, now I'm just wrapped in kelp. He's gone. They yeah. call them getting kelped. They're good at that. But uh, And then just spending your time out there, you know. Fishing in tight to the beach, a lot of fish live in, a lot of the guys do the boiler rock fishing mm -hmm. and uh, the in tight to the beach fishing, in tight to the beach fishing. I think you're going to have a better shot at a, at a big calico um, in some boiler rocks and in tighter to the beach. But it's, you know, it's all about conditions and it's all about, you know, keep, you just gotta keep going. Mm -hmm. You gotta keep going. I learned that a long time ago. The guy that spends the most time on the water is the guy that knows. And I've had my skiff for 26 years and I've averaged over 100 days a year for 26 years. Wow, that's cool. I mean, okay, so first of all, first of all, this might be a stupid question, but 
Can you tie on? Can you actually tie on eighty pound to like a swim bait and all that stuff? I mean, do you have to crimp it sometimes or whatnot? Or no, can you tie I, it on? I, I'm a uni knot guy, and as you go, you know, if I'm fishing fifteen pound, I want to put seven wraps in that uni knot. But if I'm fishing, if I'm tying on a sixty or an eighty pound leader to 65, 65 pound power pro, I'll do like a four turn uni, maybe five, and that eighty pound does its job. Huh. But here, the the thing with Tying the knot is pulling it, pulling it tight, and Ben has those little line puller things, those little plastic things that you put on so you can right. not, 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 not cincture. But one of my things, and this is important with any knot you tie, whether it's a joining knot or your knot to your swim bait or whatever, that little tag in, you, you, you pull, how much pressure do you think we can pull? 15, 16 pounds, you're, you're, you're yeah, every guy, okay? When you pull that knot, you're only pulling it as tight as you can pull it. You really should put that jig onto something like a like a cleat and mm -hmm. pull on that line and make sure that knot goes as tight as it can go. But then, the most important thing is you got your pliers in your hand. You're getting ready to cut the short tag end off. Before you cut that tag end off, take those needle nose, wrap it around that line, and oh, pull pull on that short piece. And every time you do, you can watch that knot cinch just a little bit more. And that's my tip for 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 a knot. Just make sure it's really cinched down. I do that sometimes. Or if like if I don't feel comfortable with that knot or whatnot, I'll I'll sit there and tie it on different five times or whatnot, just to just until I get that perfect knot. But then when it is perfect, that trick with the needle nose pliers and all yeah. that. Oh, that's good. That, yeah. That's key. Yeah, and like on your like uh, I I tie the uni to uni. So before mm -hmm. I cut those two connections off on the uni to uni, I kind of like try to hold the line and grab that short piece and same thing you got mm -hmm. two short pieces to, to, to pull on a little bit before you cinch that knot and i think that can make a big difference i know you're a shimano guy are you fishing pretty much all the tranks and all that yeah i'm full speed all shimano i i, I love the corrados i like to be the corrado kid i've been fishing the, the green corrado when it first came out that I, mean, I, I fell in love with that reel and then now they make the other all the different lines of Corrados. I like the the 150 size and the 200 size, the smaller ones. They're mm -hmm. easy to handle for the fish we're catching. We're not, you know, I'm not targeting the big ones, so to speak. But you never know. I mean, we're out. My buddies and I were all out there in the same spots, talking to each other all the time. So it's kind of like we're um, uh, there's we're sharing our local information and stuff, and mm -hmm. and uh, we try to keep in tune of what's happening which you know what 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 we're getting bid on and, and stuff like that so mm -hmm. that's kind of where that's going so you, you're not really fishing the big 500 you're fishing more on the two 300 range i love the, i have a 500 mm -hmm. and i put it on a jig stick that, mm -hmm. and i got 40 pound i got 50 pound on it it's a 50 pound jig stick uh tranks and wouldn't even mind trying to get a tuna on that thing yeah and i have a 300 that's uh really good for uh throwing a little bit bigger wax wing and a little bit bigger plastic on a little bit heavier rod, that would be a rod that you, a reel that you want to target a bigger fish with. And then I have a, the uh, Tranks 200, and that's a fantastic reel too. So I love mm -hmm. all the Tranks's, but I'm I love the I have more I have more Corrados than I have Tranks's. <laughs> I have a ton of Corrados. I love those reels, and I have all Shimano rods. I love the the Terramar mm -hmm. rod is a great rod. The brown Terramars, and then the uh, um, the Terez rods. The Terez rods are a great line of rods too. Mm -hmm. so I love all Shimano products. That's cool. What uh, what kind of boat do you have? I have a 19-foot Key West. Okay. Like I said, it's 26 years old. I have a 90-horse Yamaha four-stroke for power, and I've had that since 2008. 
And I keep it down in the Dana Wharf uh, Embarcadero on a trailer. And I can easily launch it. I'm only 100 yards from the launch ramp. So I can easily launch the boat from where the boat sits in, in, the, in the Embarcadero down there. Mm -hmm. And consistently every Sunday and Monday. Consistently every Sunday and Monday. That's so cool. <laughs> I, I wish I had a schedule that, that did that. That's cool. I did have a schedule before I got married a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that, and I had other barbers working here. And it was really easy mm -hmm. to skip out on Thursday. Okay. That was my, I mean, I was really, that's really happy. And I was getting a lot of time on the water because mm -hmm. I'd fish Sunday, Monday, work Tuesday, Wednesday, be really busy, and then take Thursday off, another weekday. Nice. It was fantastic. Nice. And then come back and work Friday and Saturday and make everybody happy. And I'm like, now, now when I come in on Tuesday morning, my next day of fishing is Sunday. Ugh. <laughs> and that's when I usually get, get the report. My buddies that are retired, they'll start sending me pictures of what they're catching on Tuesday morning and oh, Wednesday that's morning. That's Brutal. cool. Drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, they're all good guys. And I got a really good group of local guys that I've known forever, and they all have mm. their own skiffs. And my buddy Mike Kish and Craig Froley and our new, one of the new guys named Foster, he mm. kind of like stumbled into our group accidentally. His boat was parked next to mine. We hit it off. I took him fishing a couple times. Then Mike took him fishing a couple times. And then next thing you know, Benny Seacrest and Rich Holland goes, who the hell is this Foster guy? Uh, he's the new guy. <laughs> he got he got in the club somehow, but he's in. And he's a good guy. He's a good fisherman. And you know what I like about Foster? He listens. When you give him a, when you give him a tip, he listens. But the guy is Mr. Colt Sniper. Really? The 35-gram, the 45-gram. He oh, the catches the small smokes, Colt Snipers. <clears throat> and Mike and Foster have designed a little assist hook that goes on the top. Mm -hmm. put the little assist hook on the top of the cold sniper so there's a single J on the bottom not a treble and then this little bitty assist hook on the top I can't tell you how many times the fish is hooked on the little assist hook on the top huh so, interesting yeah that's so, uh, that's actually good to know mm -hmm. I may have to look into that yeah that's for sure well, that's cool, man. Um, you know, when it comes to bass fishing specifically, I know you, you typically like to stay local and all that, but do you ever make it out to SCI or Catalina every now and then? I've been to Catalina several times. I love fishing the backside of Catalina. I'll mm -hmm. go all the way up to Salta Verde and mm -hmm. then just start working my way back along um, the cliffs there and all in tight to the, 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 the V's mm -hmm. and all that stuff until I come around to the point and... I really like, I've been going back there on that backside. When I can get back there, I'll, I'll go. I was thinking about maybe even going this weekend. The wife mentioned going this weekend. We like to go to Catalina, <clears throat> and we won't take lunch. And we'll go to the backside, and we'll do some fishing, and we'll come around. And once you come around and get to the lead, by the, you, we, you can go full speed. And we'll pull into Avalon, and I'll drop her off at the, har, I'll drop her off at the, uh, the pier, and she'll go up and get us cheeseburgers and fries. Nice. That's <laughs> so we, cool. So we go to Avalon for cheeseburgers and fries. So it, but yeah, I I went years ago with my buddy Al. We went uh, we went to we went to Catalina, hit the island around Avalon, and we fished our way all the way around the island. We did all we circumnavigated Catalina, fishing mm -hmm. the whole island. It was the backside was flat as a, a lake, and uh, so I have been all the way around Catalina in one day. That was quite a quite a great day. Uh, San Clemente Island is too far for me. Yeah, my my dead rise on the front's a little low. I've been there in boats my size, but not my boats. Like, I have the range, but mm -hmm. this is a little too small of a boat to make that crossing to Clemente. I, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. But I've been to San Clemente several times on skiffs. I used to go with Barry Breitberg all the time. We'd run over there in, in his Kencraft and 
fished around the island for calicos, yellows, and, and rockfish. And sometimes that really good yellowtail fishing would be December, January. So really? go over there and do a combo of, you know, ch chase the bird schools, running and gunning on the bird schools with the yellowtail, then run out to 180 feet and get some rock cod, and then run back into the boiler rocks in the kelp forest and at Pyramid and do and do the calico thing. That's, that's I've had some great great times at Clemente, but my buddies tease me. They said I would have made a great half day fisherman because I like to stay in my backyard. <laughs> I can make a whole day of going to the San Clemente Pier and back. Wow. I know a million spots from 10 feet of water to 60 feet of water. We've got a million spots. Oh um, my gosh. My, my, I have little American flags on my plotter mm -hmm. and that's how I mark my spots. And when I zoom out on my plotter, the coastline is just solid American flags. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I know we've talked about it, but we definitely do have to get out fishing. We, we are going sure. soon. We're going very soon. For sure. Well, Alex, I know, uh, truth be told, I got to jump in the chair because I need a haircut from... Uh, from hey, you know, my scissors are ready to go. Let's jump <laughs> in it. We jump in, we jump in and put you in a chair and... But we're just gonna. But we're gonna keep talking fishing. That's what we're gonna do. Oh, for the sure. Fishing doesn't. Fish talk doesn't stop in the barbershop. As always, always. Um, real quickly, Alex. I know you're a huge supporter of CCA. Um, I am. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of curious. Wanted to throw this one out there. What does CCA mean to you as an angler? Um, CCA mean to me as an angler. <clears throat> I've heard all, all the good it's done in in Florida and Texas, and these guys are very happy that, that it, it, they've had it there for years, and it's, it's saved a lot of their fishing, and we need that here. There's so many people out there that are trying to shut down what we do, and there's no one trying to fight for us. Those people that are trying to shut us down are powerful. We learned that when we had the MLPAs came in and closed us all up. There was no scientific, there was no scientist saying these species are all become, gonna become extinct. It was political, so that political, that, those political foes that we have, we need someone to, to go after those guys and try to stop them from closing down things we love to do. And I think the fisherman is the, is the like Pete Gray from Let's Talk Hookup says, the fisherman is the steward of the sea. <clears throat> He's out there not overtaking fish, following directions. How many fishermen have picked up mylar helium balloons? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, you go out, you're 20 miles out, and you got these happy birthday, uh, happy Father's Day balloons. They aren't going to decompose. So the guys that pick those up are the fishermen. Mm -hmm. We're taking care of our, our, our land and, and our waters. And I think CCA are the guys that are going to be our spokesmen and the guys that are going to be our vehicle for how we're going to protect ourselves. Yeah, well said. Well said, my friend. Well, Alex, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And you got it. Anytime. Me. At the shop there. Stop by the barbershop in Dana Point, um, on the corner of Golden Lantern and Del Prado, two and a half flights up. I overlooked the outdoor bar at Stillwater. Come by, have, have a cocktail, and come on up and say hello. I was going to say, how do we book an appointment with you to go get a haircut? Uh, you can call the barbershop at 949-493-6081. Call the barbershop or look me up. Uh, and I'm here uh, Tuesday through Saturday. And Sunday and Monday, you know where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. Alex, thank you so much, my friend. I really Thanks, Chris. Do, but do appreciate it. Well, guys, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, like I said before, make sure to go hit the subscribe button. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. And uh, definitely let us know how we're doing content-wise. And uh, definitely more to come. Thank you so much, guys. We will see you guys next week.